0: And if you're a fan of Canadian History X, make sure you check out my other shows, From John to Justin, and Canada, A Yearly Journey. And don't forget, you can also donate directly to the show at www.canadaehx.com. It helps keep this show going. Alright, on with the show. Return with us now, to those thrilling days of yesteryear, all the way to January 31st, 1933, when a fiery horse with the speed of light ridden by a masked hero left behind a cloud of dust as the Lone Ranger debuted on WXYZ, a radio station out of Detroit. The show followed a former Texas Ranger who fought outlaws in the American Old West. And in the 11th episode of that show, the Lone Ranger met his faithful sidekick, an indigenous character named Tonto. From 1933 to 2013, Tonto was played by several actors, including John Todd, Victor Daniels, Michael Horse, and Johnny Depp. Of those four, only Michael Horse was indigenous and his portrayal was hardly seen as it was only shown in a thousand screens in 1981. And he had massive shoes to fill because before him, one man born on Six Nations Reserve in Ontario became synonymous with Tonto. He took a stellar lacrosse career and turned it into a successful career on the television screen. I'm Craig Baird, this is Canadian History X, and today we're galloping our way through Jay Silverheel's life. Hi-ho Silver, away! The show was conceived either by radio station owner George W. Trendle or by Frank Stryker, the show's writer, and Tonto was created with the only purpose being to give the Lone Ranger someone to talk to. A character silently riding a horse alone through the rugged backcountry of Arizona, it did not make for good radio. The name came from James Jewell, who also came up with the term Kimosabe based on the name of a summer camp owned by his father-in-law in upstate Michigan. In the local indigenous language, Tonto meant Wild One. The character spoke in broken English, emphasizing Tonto had learned it as a second language. When a white actor, John Todd, was hired for the role in 1933, not much thought was given to the fact that he would be portraying an indigenous character outside of his race. It was fairly commonplace to see stars of the silver screen donning blackface like Fred Astaire did for the movie Swing Time three years earlier. And The Lone Ranger's audience was radio, but still, for publicity photos, Todd donned a wig to look Native American, and public appearances had an Indigenous actor who was hired to meet fans. When The Lone Ranger debuted as a movie serial in 1938, Victor Daniels was hired to play Tonto. Known professionally as Chief Thundercloud, he claimed to be Cherokee, but he did not appear on any trouble roles during his life. His biography stated he was quote-unquote a Muscogee aristocrat, and born to parents Dark Cloud and Morning Star. In actuality, his parents were named Jesus Daniel and Tomosa Acuna, and he was presumed not to be Native American because of his parents' ancestry. Daniels portrayed Tonto again in the 1939 film The Lone Ranger Rides Again. After that point, he settled into the chief thundercloud persona, acting in films where he typically portrayed Native American characters. While non-indigenous actors were portraying the character of Tonto in radio and movies, another person was just beginning his acting career, Jay Silverheels. The Six Nations of the Grand River is one of the largest reserves in Canada. Located near the city of Brantford, Ontario. It expands to 190 square kilometers on the banks of the Grand River and is the most populous First Nation in the country. It was founded by Indigenous leader Joseph Brandt following the American Revolutionary War. Many well-known Canadians have called the reserve home including musician Robbie Robertson, Oscar-nominated actor Graham Greene, and athlete Tom Longboat. It was here that Jay Silverhills began his life as Harold J. Smith on May 26, 1912. Silverheel's family was one of the most prestigious ones in the area. His grandfather was Chief Alex Smith, who was called two rows of people by residents of the reserve because of his skills as an orator and ability to speak Latin. Silverheel's father Alexander Smith was a Cayuga man who served in the First World War. During the Battle of the Somme on September 27, 1916, he led his company in an attack where they captured an enemy trench and took 50 prisoners, despite being buried by shellfire twice. For his bravery, he was awarded the military cross. He became one of the most decorated indigenous soldiers of the war, and rose to the rank of captain. After the war, he became chief like his father before him. Alexander Smith and Mabel Smith instilled in their son the importance of discipline, while his grandfather gave him advice that he carried with him for the rest of his life like, never cheat. If you have to cheat to win, then that's admitting the other man is better than you are. Never cheat. From a young age, Silverheels learned to ride horses, a skill that served him well as an actor in westerns later in life. An unnamed neighbor said, I'd wake up around dawn and go to the door and there would be Harry. He'd be sitting there just staring at the front door. I had some thoroughbreds and he wanted to ride them. I'd let him. Half the time, he wouldn't even have a saddle. Jay Silverheels grew older. He started to notice that the boys outside of the reserve looked different than him. He became disturbed by the color of his skin and washed constantly in the hopes of removing the pigmentation. At one point, when asked to go to the store by his mother, he scrubbed his face until it was sore and parted his hair to the side rather than combing it back as his father did. As he walked to the store, a car approached and a child said out the window, look, look at that black Indian. The incident caused Silverheels to break into tears and run home. But this proved to be a watershed moment in his life. He said, It taught me a lesson. I never cried again at insults. I fought, yes, but I cried my fill that day. Growing up near Brantford, Silver Hills went to the movie theater and grew dissatisfied with how indigenous characters were portrayed on screen. In that era, white cowboys were the good guys in westerns while the indigenous peoples were nearly always villains. If they were not villains, they were one-dimensional, stoic, and unsmiling, and spoke in broken English. By the time Silverheels was a young man, he was a skilled athlete, especially in lacrosse, which was growing in popularity, so much so that the owners of the Toronto Maple Leafs and Montreal Canadiens created an indoor lacrosse league to fill arenas during the summer. Silverheels was a top player and became one of the first selected for the new league. Ted Reeve, a Toronto Telegram columnist, wrote... He was the best young lacrosse player I've ever seen. Silver Hills debuted with the Toronto Tecumsehs and quickly became a fan favourite because of his composure in the field. His teammates believed his blood to be made of ice. He didn't seem to let the pressure get to him because he often slept in the dressing room before the game. But the truth is, he was so nervous before games he often couldn't stand up. He said, quote, I was so scared I was weak. I used to lie down in the dressing room because I couldn't stand up. I'd walk around on the floor shaking, thinking I can't do it, I can't, I can't. Then the whistle would blow and I'd play in a fury. Happened every time. End quote. At the time, he was going by his given name, Harry Smith, and was a force on the field, and his passion helped the Toronto Tecumseh become one of the best teams in the league. The Montreal Gazette wrote, A lean, bronzed Indian buck, 19 years of age and bearing the mundane name of Harry Smith, fired a burning long shot past goaler Sud Sutherland in the fourth period at the Forum last night, and that was the deciding goal which gave Toronto Tecumseh a 6-4 victory over the Canadians. And because of his speed, he earned a nickname, Silverheels. Despite his star quality, the lacrosse league folded because of the Great Depression and Silverheels moved to Buffalo in 1936 where his parents were living. He took up boxing to stay fit and within a year he won the Golden Glove semi-final at Madison Square Gardens. For extra money he also wrestled and posed for art students. In 1937 he returned to lacrosse and toured the United States playing in exhibition games, men lacrosse didn't just help pay for the bills, it also gave him that nickname, and it also launched his film career. In 1937, while on a lacrosse tour in California, he was spotted by comedian Joe E. Brown, who was one of the most popular American comedians during the 1930s and 1940s. Upon seeing Silver Hill's athleticism, Brown convinced him to do a screen test and then helped him join the Screen Actors Guild. Silver Hill said, Nobody knows how much good that man does in the world. He's helped so many people. As a member of the guild, Silverheels started to work as an extra and stuntman in movies, typically westerns, and he adopted the stage name, Jay Silverheels. He said, They were making a lot of westerns then, so I was lucky. I made $16.50, sometimes twice a day for riding a horse in some big Indian battle scene. Sometimes though, I went hungry. His first major role was in Drums Along the Mohawk. Based on a 1936 novel of the same name, the movie was released in 1939 starring Claudette Colbert and Henry Fonda and was directed by John Ford. The film takes place during the American Revolution and follows a couple who settle on the New York frontier and fend off attacks from the British and indigenous peoples before the revolution ends and peace is restored at the farm. Silver Hills played a Mohawk man who attempted to kill Henry Ford's character Gil Martin throughout the film. He said, I got to shoot an actress, I forget who and I stalked Henry Ford all through the picture. I didn't get to kill him though. While he had no lines, Silverheels earned $350 a week, the most money he had ever earned in his life to that point. During those early years of his acting career, Silverheels saw how the Indigenous peoples were portrayed on screen, and he was disappointed, just as he had been as a child. Silverheels said the portrayals were stiff. The Indigenous characters made strong gestures and barked guttural sounds to fit the stereotype of the time. He said, quote, I was raised on a reservation, and I knew old Indians. They were men who'd been hunters and trackers, and they never made an awkward move. They were graceful as cats, and they spoke with soft, low voices." As a child, there was not much he could do, but now he was in Hollywood and acting in those same roles, so he decided to do something about it. Silverheel stopped working as an extra, got an actor's A-card, and found himself an agent. He started taking acting classes while working odd jobs in Los Angeles. A friend suggested he read Shakespeare, but Silver Hills said he was indigenous and would never get to perform it, to which his friend replied, Never mind. If you can read these lines so they make sense, you can read any line. Silver Hills took the advice, but despite the Bard's help, the coaching, and endless classes, most of the roles he performed in were Native Americans and Westerns. He said, When I play an Indian, I play myself. In 1947, Silver Hills appeared in the film The Prairie, a story about an 1803 Kentucky family traveling west in a wagon to sell the newly acquired Louisiana Purchase. He played the character Running Deer. Also cast in the film, Victor Daniels, the man who called himself Chief Thundercloud, portraying the more prominent role of Eagle Feather. As far as I could find, this was the only time two actors who would portray Tonto appeared together in a film. A year later, Silverheels was told he had a chance for a role in Captain from Castile. The film would be directed by Henry King. King was one of the most celebrated directors of his era, with two Best Director Oscar nominations to his credit in the 1940s. Silverheels desperately wanted the part. To keep himself in shape, he skipped meals so his wardrobe would fit, and on the day of his audition, he dressed in his best suit and walked into the room to try out in front of King, and he was immediately told to remove his shirt. Now This was common for the auditions that Silver Hills went to. He said that when he was examined by casting directors, it felt like they were wives buying meat from the shady butcher. After Silver Heels removed his shirt, he was told to study the lines and come back in the afternoon. He returned and King told him to pack his bags. Silver Heels would be leaving the next day for Mexico to begin production on Captain from Castile. Set in the 16th century Mexico, the film was a historic adventure that follows a nobleman as he flees Spain then joins an expedition to Mexico alongside an infamous conquistador who changes the mission from exploration to conquering once they arrive. In his journey, the nobleman befriends a runaway indigenous prince played by silver heels. The movie was one of the most expensive of its era, costing $4.5 million and featured 19,500 Mexican extras. Filming began on November 25, 1946 and wrapped on April 4, 1947. The film had good reviews but was considered a financial failure after it brought in only $3.65 million at the box office. Captain from Castile was Silver Heel's first feature film, even though he was uncredited for his role, something that would also happen in Key Largo, the 1948 film noir directed by John Huston and starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. Undeterred he would go on to act in several more films, but as the decade ended, he was offered the role of a lifetime and it would make him famous. The American broadcasting company or ABC launched its television network on April 19, 1948, hoping to generate a hit. The network looked to its radio shows to find one to adapt into this new medium. It was the dawn of a new era, and for the company, one of its most popular radio programs with both children and adults was The Lone Ranger. Since its debut in 1933, It had released over 2,500 episodes, and believing it to be a hit, ABC adapted it for TV and brought on the man who created the original radio show, George Trendle, as a producer, while MGM film producer Jack Chertok was hired as a director. To play The Lone Ranger, they cast Clayton Moore, a former acrobat, model, and soldier who was known for his work in The Ghost of Zorro, movie serial. Trendle saw him in the role and thought he was perfect for The Lone Ranger. To portray Tonto, the friend and sidekick, Trendle and Chertok, wanted an indigenous actor rather than a white actor to portray the character. Jay Silverheels had been making a name for himself in Hollywood for several years, and he was offered the role. And while he didn't call himself a fan of the show, he said he did listen to it on the radio from time to time. Silverheels signed the contract, but he was not enthusiastic about it after reading the first scripts and having heard the radio show he felt that Tonto was once again a humiliating portrayal of an indigenous person. In the show, the Lone Ranger was the last survivor of a group of Texas Rangers who were killed, and he's found near death by Tonto, who nurses him back to health. From then on, the Lone Ranger and Tonto spend each episode riding through the Old West, helping people in the towns, dotting the landscape. On September 15, 1949, the William Tell Overture blared in millions of living rooms across the United States as The Lone Ranger galloped onto the television screen. And ABC was hoping to develop its first hit, and with The Lone Ranger, they had it. By the end of the first season, it was the ninth highest rated show on television drawing in an audience share of 49.7%. With the success of The Lone Ranger, Silver Heels was cast in one of his biggest roles yet, that of Geronimo the Apache military leader and medicine man in the film Broken Arrow. Starring Jimmy Stewart, the story follows white settlers and Apaches in a bloody war until a white scout has an enlightening encounter and begins to see humanity in his enemies. It was like no other film at the time in its portrayal of Native Americans because it portrayed them in a balanced and sympathetic way. Broken Arrow's tolerance and racial equality would influence later Western films. Unfortunately, due to the era, the majority of the Indigenous peoples on screen were portrayed by people of European descent. Brooklyn-born actor Jeff Chandler played Apache leader Cochise, a role that earned him an Oscar nomination. 17-year-old white actress Deborah Paget played the Indigenous woman Sansa Ray, who falls in love with the 42-year-old Jimmy Stewart. Silver Heels was the only main cast member portraying an Indigenous character who was actually Indigenous. When the second season of The Lone Ranger debuted, the show drew in over 12 million viewers an episode and rose to number 7 in the Nielsen ratings. As the show reached the eyes of viewers across North America, Jay Silverheel suddenly found himself being swamped with fan mail at home and people crowding around him on the streets. One disadvantage of this newfound fame was he couldn't find the time to travel home to see his family due to his hectic schedule. To make up for that, his family made regular trips to Los Angeles to visit him. And during one visit, his brother Hugh said, Too hot. When I arrived, the temperature outside was 103 degrees, and Jay was working inside the studio under burning lights. I just do not know how he could manage it. As Tonto, Silverheels also did all of his own stunts. He refused to use a double for any horse riding scenes or hard fighting action sequences. He said, People ask me if I can really ride. They ask me if I was exposed to horses as a boy in Brantford." Actually, the horses were exposed to me." His skills came in handy because his horse Scout was much faster than Silver, the Lone Ranger's horse, and Silverheels said his most difficult task on set was holding Scout back. He said, quote, You couldn't have the sidekick zipping out in front of the hero, end quote. In his spare time, Silverheels also worked hard to maintain his physique by jogging, lifting weights and practicing on a punching bag. Eventually, he pushed himself too far though and in 1954, he suffered a heart attack. He recovered but was told he could not work out like before, so, to keep from gaining weight, he started a fat-free diet to keep his body lean. All that work was worth it for the money that Silver Heels was making. He was paid about $100,000 per season for the role of Tonto. Now, despite all the work he put in to remain lean for his character's look, and the fact he did all of his own stunts, there was a significant pay gap between himself and his co-star Moore, and was paid about double what Silverheels received. The disparity between how Moore and Silverheels were paid extended to how they were treated outside the show. At a fan gathering in West Virginia, Moore was approached to visit a children's ward of a nearby hospital, but the invitation was not extended to Silverheels, despite the fact he always took time for his young fans. The children at the hospital were excited to see the Lone Ranger, but kept asking for Tonto. When Moore saw Silverheels later, he asked him about his absence, to which Silverheels responded, quote, I speak your language. If you had asked me, I'd have been glad to go, but I am no animal that follows humbly along behind the Lone Ranger. The disappointment in how he was being treated extended to how the character was portrayed on the television. One thing that bothered Silverheels was how Tonto talked, using phrases like, situation, plenty bad, and me go now. He said it was insulting. In a McLean's interview, Silverheels stated he believed the character was written purposely to have poor intelligence because it was property owned by a Texan who saw Native Americans that way. To counter Tonto's image of a simple man who dressed in animal skins, Silverheels always made sure he wore expensive suits wherever he was out visiting people in public or participating in publicity events. He refused to wear the buckskins and white feather headdress outside the show. During one publicity stop, the Vancouver Sun wrote, Silver Heels signed autographed as he talked. A gaudy Indian headdress scarcely matched his dark Ivy League suit. He also didn't like how Tonto seemed to be subservient, despite having saved the Lone Ranger's life on many occasions. Silver Heels added, Look at it. The Lone Ranger has saved Tonto's life, and Tonto has saved the Lone Ranger's. Therefore, they should be brothers, closer than brothers. But the Lone Ranger treats him like some kind of servant, and this seems to suit Tonto fine. He was also dissatisfied with his character's iconic habit of calling the Lone Ranger Kimo Sabe. Silverheels stated it was supposed to mean faithful friend, but in reality, it was mumbo jumbo created by a Hollywood writer. With his new stature as a famous actor, Silverheels used his platform to speak out against anyone who passed themselves off as an indigenous person to get work in television or movies. He said, I'm a Mohawk. If you ever pass yourself off as an expert of Mohawk Indians, watch out for me. It was Silverheel's hope that he could one day star in television to show Indigenous people as he knew them, with dignity, while restoring the image he felt had been tarnished and lost. His passion for proper portrayal of his people in films and television surprised many in the media. The Calgary Herald wrote, There's more to Canadian-born Jay Silverheels than the popular TV image of the silent sidekick Tonto, Scratch the surface of this bronze, ruggedly handsome Indian and you'll find a man of deep feelings, highly articulate and well-read. While Silverheels criticized the character, he was still happy that the show portrayed an indigenous character in a relatively positive manner. Tonto was one of the good guys, rather than as an enemy, and said, I was lucky, I guess. Hollywood makes a lot of movies about Indians, but rarely uses any of us in the roles. The Vancouver province wrote at the time, Silverheels was the only major indigenous actor in Hollywood with name recognition. It said, quote, Take away Fred Astaire, and you still have Donald O'Connor and Gene Kelly. Take away Marilyn Monroe, and you've got quite a few other blondes. But take away Jay Silverheels, and Hollywood is almost without an authoritative Indian. As Silverheel cemented a star quality in Hollywood, achieving a level of fame few actors get to enjoy, the Lone Ranger show was still popular in the ratings. But there were changes on the horizon. In 1955, show creator George Trendle sold the rights of the Lone Ranger to Jack Rather, a television producer who had success with shows such as Sergeant Preston of the Yukon and Lassie. The Lone Ranger continued to be popular, but it was slowly losing ground as new competition arrived on the television screen, and during the 1954-55 season, the show fell outside the top 20. The show may have been slipping in the ratings, but among children it was still extremely popular, as was seen when Silver Hills returned to Canada in 1956. It was his first trip home to the Six Nations Reserve in Brantford in 18 years and the decision was made when his family visited Los Angeles the previous year. Silver Hills agreed to return to help raise funds for a sports center which would sit on land donated by his mother and would be named the J. Silver Hills Memorial Hall. A parade for him was held and as it traveled through Brantford a sea of children lined the road to see Silver Hills wave from a car. At one point the car was surrounded by hundreds of children who climbed onto it causing the rear bumper to scrape along the pavement. Once the children were asked to get out of the car, the parade continued. After, a Meet Tonto event was planned in Lions Park, but after the commotion on the car, the decision was made to cancel it over fears it would cause children to be trampled in the rush. Locals said the reception for Silver Heels was bigger than any they had ever seen, including when Prime Minister Louis Saint Laurent visited the community. During the trip, he also visited two hospitals where he met with children and signed autographs. He then went to City Hall, where he signed the guest book, met the mayor, and attended a formal luncheon. Mayor Max Sherman said, A demonstration of affection, the like of which has never been seen in the city of Brantford. It was bigger than the welcome for Gene Autry. During the luncheon, Silver Hills rose to thank the mayor and began to tear up over the homecoming that had been given. He said, And they say that Indians never do show emotion. This will be the high point of my life, no matter what happens. In terms of his time on The Lone Ranger, it just might have been the high point of his life. Within a year, his entire life would be changed and he would be looking towards an unknown future. After the heartwarming visit home, he returned to Los Angeles and the set of The Lone Ranger. Season five of the show debuted on September 13, 1956 and aired 39 episodes. But Jack Rather wanted to take it to the big screen and decided not to negotiate for a sixth season, causing the show to end after 221 episodes. The Lone Ranger movie debuted in 1956 starring Moore and Silver Hills in the same roles. The movie was a success, grossing $3.9 million as the 53rd most popular movie of the year. Hoping to build off that success, a second movie was ordered, The Lone Ranger in The Lost City of Gold, which debuted in 1958. But this time, was a failure as it grossed less than $500,000. Now the movie may have been a failure, but it seemed that children were still clamoring to meet Tonto. In 1958, Silverheels traveled to Vancouver for an event where he was mobbed by children asking for autographs, and he signed for all of them. When asked if he got tired of signing his name, he said, No, I like it. I like kids. He added he also loved getting invitations to raise money for causes such as children's hospitals. He said, I'm always proud to get these invitations. I guess it proves the Lone Ranger series is as popular as ever. But he wasn't entirely right, as all good things must come to an end. Those kids soon grew up, and the Lone Ranger moved into the realm of nostalgia. And for Silverheels, it was the end of an era. In 1959, Jay Silverheels played Tonto in an uncredited role in Alias Jesse James, which starred Bob Hope. The film featured cameos by several western TV and film stars of television and movie westerns including Roy Rogers, Gary Cooper, and Bing Crosby. Silverheels was about to discover that a great role came at a great cost. Leonard Nimoy will always be Spock, George Wendt will always be Norm, and Jay Silverheels will always be Tonto. The Tonto role had helped him gain fame and fortune, but like so many actors since, he found it came at the cost of being typecast. With so many producers, directors, and viewers identifying him as Tonto, and the offers began to dry up following 1961. He acted in eight television shows and movies from 1959 to 1961, but only acted in one episode of Laramie in 1962, Silver Hill said in September of that year. I could kid you and say I've been working hard, but the truth is I haven't worked in four months. Things were not in his favour, and his next role didn't come till 1965 when he appeared in the shows Branded and Daniel Boone. During that gap, he decided to give back and help other Indigenous actors. In 1963, he formed the Indian Actors Workshop to help new actors navigate the world of acting and find work. His friend, Lois Red Elk, said, He laboured very, very long in getting all the right equipment and scripts and contacting Indian people and encouraging us. I met him at the workshop, and at that time he was working in an episode of the Virginian television show. He just stipulated in his contract that Indian people get into that series. Silver Hills was still popular enough as Tonto and made occasional public appearances. In 1963, he visited the Calgary Stampede where he rode in the famous Stampede Parade and was a special guest at the Children's Day program. He also spoke at the Grandstand Platform where he spoke out against the poor treatment of the Indigenous actors in Hollywood. He said, there seems to be something against giving an Indian a good part. If one sets out to overcome something, there's always a way if one keeps trying. Afterwards, he made sure to visit the children's wards of the hospitals in the city. His appearance at the Stampede was widely praised. The Edmonton Journal wrote, This week in Calgary, J. Silverheels has said much for the swarming crowds, to adoring children in hospital wards, to anyone who wanted to stop and chat, He's a very, very good ambassador for his race and for the Hollywood industry. In the late 1960s, acting work slowed down even more. He appeared in three episodes of Pistols and Petticoats and Gentle Ben in 1966 and 1967. He had a small role in Smith in 1969, and that same year he got an uncredited role as a condemned man at a hanging in True Grit. As the 1960s came to an end, The generation that knew him as children were now becoming adults, and Silverheels was rediscovered as Tonto in reruns. In 1969, he reprised the role in a sketch on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. As he walked out to thunderous applause, he said, My name is Tonto, I hail from Toronto, and I speak Esperanto. The sketch was popular enough it spawned a novelty single with Silverheels doing the vocals. He also began to act in commercials, usually portraying his most famous role. In an ad for Chevy in 1970, he played an indigenous man modeled after Tonto who rescues two lost hikers that ignored his advice. The two hikers were played by two men who had played the Lone Ranger, Clayton Moore and John Hart. Silverhill said of his role it was defining work. I wouldn't mind getting away from the Tonto image, but in those days it was work and I needed it. I didn't particularly like Tonto, but you can't tell directors what to do. That same year Little Big Man came out, which was one of the first revisionist westerns that portrayed the indigenous peoples as the good guys and the Americans as the villains. It starred Canadian Chief Dan George as Old Lodge Skins, which earned him an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actor. And while he didn't win, Chief Dan George made history as the first indigenous person to be nominated for an Academy Award. Silverheel said of the film, I don't believe in that kind of movie. It shows the same old tired savages, Imagine Dustin Hoffman playing an Indian. Chief Dan George is probably very good in the movie, but there's no acting into the part. He's just playing himself, a very old Indian. During this time, he and his former co-star and friend Clayton Moore kept in touch. They would exchange Christmas cards, and when Moore was in town, they would go out and get a drink together. In 1971, Sefer Hills made the decision to adopt the name he had used for the past two decades. He legally changed his name from Harold J. Smith, a name only his family referred to him as, to J. Silverheels, the name he made famous. He continued to act in the next few years, and 1973 turned out to be Silverheels' busiest year in a decade. One Little Indian was released first, with Silverheels in the minor role of Jimmy Wolfe. The film was notable for starring a young Jodie Foster in one of her first film roles. The film made a profit of $2 million. One week later, The Man Who Loved Cat Dancing was released. Starring Burt Reynolds, Jay Silverheels had the minor role of chief. The film was panned, but made $3.6 million. Lastly, there was Santee, released in September of that year. The film, which starred Glenn Ford, is mostly forgettable today. For Jay Silverheels, it was his final role in a feature film, and he starred as John Crowe. The next year, Silver Heels was in an episode of Dusty's Trail and the short film A Different Drum as Jim Swifthands. The film was about a young Indigenous man trying to find acceptance from his family for his career choice, and it starred Chief Dan George, who was fast taking up the mantle of the world's most famous Indigenous actor from Silver Heels. Alongside them were other Indigenous actors who were influenced by Silver Heels, including Betty Ann Carr, George American Horse, and Lois Red Elk. A Different Drum was Silver Heels' final film. Soon after its release in 1974, he suffered a stroke causing his right side to be paralyzed and he lost the ability to speak. For several months, he worked to regain his mobility and speech by going to therapy at the hospital three days a week. He made a fantastic recovery and was up and about within a few months. In 1975, Silver Hills made a trip to the Six Nations Reserve to visit with family and friends and this trip would be his last. His health was failing. But he was well enough on July 21, 1979, to appear in person when Jay Silverheels became the first indigenous actor to be honored with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He said with tears in his eyes, I am pleased and honored. Silverheels continued to hang on as troubles with his health mounted, his friend Tom Shelley said. Two things kept the man alive he had a full blooded Mohawk spirit and a strong, strong heart. In January 1980, Silver Hills was admitted to hospital, suffering from cardiac problems and pneumonia. Three months later, on March 5th, 1980, he died from a stroke. Tom Shelley said, Jay Silver Hills was much more than just Tonto. This man gave more to this business than he ever received. He was the founder of the Indian Actors Workshop and also worked with the handicapped, the elderly alcoholics and drug addicts and there were hundreds and hundreds of kids in the children's hospital. Those kids, oh, they just loved him. His co-star, Clayton Moore, added, A perfect gentleman and a true fighter for the Indian cause. He was a great man with a great sense of humour. I'm going to miss him very much. Lois Redell credited him with changing the film industry for Indigenous actors and said, He created the atmosphere for us to get into the industry. Before that, Indian people had to play props, extras, background. They just weren't any Indian people with speaking parts. Heel's ashes were returned to his reserve in Ontario where a memorial was attended by 200 people. Reverend Robert Haynes said in his eulogy, He never forgot his people. He was aware of the part they had in the Brotherhood of the Universe. In 1993, he was inducted into the Hall of Great Western Performers at the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum. In 1997, he was inducted into the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame. Today a portrait of Silverheels hangs at the Buffalo Theatre in Buffalo, New York. Many Indigenous actors from Canada have made their mark in Hollywood, like the Oscar nominee Chief Dan George, the amazing Graham Greene, and the up-and-coming Expanse actor Kara Gee. Then there is Lily Gladstone who's making history for being the first Native American woman to be nominated for an Oscar, and she won the Best Lead Actress SAG Award for her role in Killers of the Flower Moon. And I like to think that Jay Silverheels would be proud of shows like Reservation Dogs and True Detective Night Country, and he was the one who helped kick down the door for all of these opportunities to exist, and many actors owe a debt of gratitude to Jay Silverheels, the Indigenous Canadian actor who helped open that initial door. And although this is the end of the story, there is something else you should know. Jay Silverheels was a lacrosse star, a television star, and a man who used his fame to help his fellow indigenous actors, but he also had a passion for horse racing. In his spare time, Silverheels raised and raced standard bred horses. He loved it so much that he obtained a harness racing license and competed in races across Canada and the United States. Once a child asked him if any of his horses could outrun Tonto's horse scout from the Lone Ranger. Silverheels responded by saying, Heck, I could outrun Scout. He had a deep respect for his horses as well. Throughout his career, he had ridden horses on screen and they helped cement his image with millions of people. His friend Tom Shelley said he had a genuine love of horses. And Silverheels did, and he was racing as a harness driver nearly to the end of his life. I hope you enjoyed that episode and our look. At the actor, Jay Silverheels. This show is researched, produced, and written by me, Craig Baird, with the help of Dila Velasquez. Audio production and design by Rosalind Kufor. If this is your first time listening and you like what you heard, please take a moment and give us a five-star review to help other people find these amazing stories. And there are so many for you to sink your teeth into. If you enjoy this podcast, then please check out my other podcasts, from John to Justin, Canada, A Yearly Journey, Pucks and Cups, and Canada's Great War. We love hearing from you, so if you have a show topic you want me to cover, email me at craig at or stop by my website and social media. I'll include all of those in my show notes. Until next time, I'm Craig Baird, and this is Canadian History X.